Welcome everybody to the sixth installment of the Evolution Exchange podcast. Today I'm joined by a great panel to discuss career development within tech. Before we dive deeper into the topic, I'm going to work around the room for some introductions. I'd like to know who you are, what you do, and also what it is you're passionate about. So David, I'll go to you first. Can you tell everybody who you are and what you're passionate about, please? Hi Ruth, great to be here. Um, I'm David Maiman. I'm the Head of Engineering at Premfina, and I'm passionate about growing people and processes. Brilliant, thank you. Giles, I'll go to you next, please. So Giles Walker, I'm the Global CTO for Microsoft. Um, I look after CPG manufacturing and, and retail clients. Uh, what am I passionate about? Um, probably the mentoring side of things with people, so growing them, helping them achieve their goals as they move forward. Brilliant, thank you. Richard, I'll go to you. Hey everyone, yes, I'm Richard Thompson, so I lead the Colleague Platforms uh, team engineering lead at Barclays UK. Uh, passionate about uh, getting people to uh, solve problems effectively uh, and also like many people have said, like coaching people and see people grow from, you know, very junior up to uh, much higher up in the organisation. So very passionate about that. Lovely stuff. Thank you. And last but not least, first time to the podcast, Michael. Hi, uh, I'm, I'm Michael Jervis. I'm head of digital at Mattress Online. Um, lead all of our teams there. Um, sounds very familiar after everyone else's intro. So I'm passionate about digital leadership and career development and, and building that talent pipeline in our digital sector. That's great. Thank you all for taking the time to do that. So now that we've established a context to each of you, let's move on to the topic and focus. We're all here because we do have an interest, as you know, from the introductions as well, um, on the topic career development within tech. I've got a number of questions and also got some sub questions at the end. So what I'll do, I'm going to work a ray around the room. I'll pose the question. And then I'll basically ask you to go for the reason behind your question. And then I'll give the opportunity for everyone to, to see what it is that they feel on that question and to give their outlook. So I'm going to go to David's question first. And that question or subtopic is how, how we can encourage people into tech who may be later in life with responsibilities or perhaps younger, but just don't think university is for them. David, I'll let you start. Thanks, Ruth. Um, yeah, this is something that I'm uh, yeah, kind of quite passionate about this topic. Um, and I think really it's important that we recognise what the barriers to entry are. Um, you know, we can focus a lot on having a computer science degree or having, um, you know, so much experience. I mean, I, I think we've all seen junior engineers struggling to get jobs, their first job, because um, you know, that first job requires one or two years of experience. Um, it's a very, very difficult for people to break into the industry, um, regardless of age. But, uh, you know, I think maybe the the older you get, if you're mid-career and you, you fancy a change and you realise you have an aptitude for tech, um, it, it can be very difficult to break in because you have, uh, you know, family and financial commitments in life that maybe just make it impossible. And I think one of the things that we can do on our side is to lower the bar a little bit. Now, we always need to make sure that we get people coming in who have the ability, they have the capability to learn and they've got that right attitude. But, um, you know, the, I think in most other industries as an employer, you would look at what transferable skills people have. And I think we need to do more of that in tech. Um, I, I think back to an example of um, there's a, a, a mentoring organisation called Code Bar who focus on getting uh, senior engineers and tech people to mentor uh, people largely from underrepresented backgrounds who are trying to break into tech. 
and before the pandemic I was uh, quite active in the Birmingham chapter and one evening we were running mock interviews for people and I was talking to this lady who um, she she interviewed brilliantly I would have given her a job uh, she wasn't from a tech background at all and she was talking to me about her um, kind of work experience I was listening to her and I thought you're an IT manager you don't realize that's what you've been doing but you've just described the duties of an IT manager you know down to a T you could step right into that role okay maybe not in a senior level you'd have to you know learn the ropes and you know kind of learn on the job but um the, the transferable skills were there and I think you know if we can focus more on that it can really help people who are maybe mid-career make that um kind of switch into tech with younger people um you know uh, my question was around what if someone doesn't think university is for them um you know I, I think we just need to accept that university is one path to get into tech um it can be very useful it can provide you with some great foundational skills but it's not the only path in and again if i'm reflecting on my own career and the people that i've been around and you know i'm an engineer so i'm focusing on programming and coding side of things i appreciate tech is obviously a lot bigger than that but on the coding side at least um i don't know many software engineers who either went to university or if they did did computer science um you know a lot of them did a a uh, degree in psychology or something completely unrelated that was a passion for them um, but wasn't necessarily the thing that got them the job uh, a lot of the experience they got was by working on the job um, and you know we, we need to be realistic um, as an industry and as employers about what we really want people to do um, if we look at what we are building most of us um, we're not working on cutting edge you know very very high-tech stuff that requires a very specific degree and several years of formal education some of us will go on to work on that stuff cool but most of us we're building web services um that's the kind of thing you can learn by doing and i think by recognizing that we can get more people in the door they'll they'll learn by doing it we just need to give them the opportunities brilliant thank you giles i'll go to you next please I like you your points, David. I mean, one of the things I was going to say on this was when I've had some younger people come to me kind of asking for advice on how to get into tech, the biggest thing I've always said to them is if, you, if you're going down the coding road and you don't want to do you know, your, your data science degree, which is fine, is there's so many courses online to go and study Python, SQL, DAX, whatever it might be, or C++, go and learn it. That's one part of it, but then go and create something so that when you go to your first interview, it's going, here's the website I made that grabs data from, you know, who and does this sort of analytics and then give it to you. So that way you're showing someone what your work is. And few of the people who have done that for, I mean, they ended up landing their first jobs in tech purely because in the interview they said, here's what I've made. I just haven't done it in the job sense yet. And it was just that little tick of proof that, okay, you, you haven't just done a certificate online where you ticked the boxes and paid a bit of money and you got a piece of paper saying you know how to code now because we all know that those don't really work. Um, that was really one of the main ones. And to your point on the IT manager person, it was the same with me. I found because of the different roles within tech, you can be in that sort of leadership area without the tech knowledge to the, T, to the, to the level of what, say, some of your software engineers might have. But actually having that business sense and having that experience exposure to say, digital programs that you may have been involved in as a project manager actually are really applicable when it comes to the tech space. As someone who can sort of be that bridge between um, non-tech and technical people but not necessarily being technical yourself. So you can help do the translation between what user requirements actually are and then how you then communicate that to someone who knows how to go and write it out and code. Yeah, brilliant. Thank you. Michael, I'll let you go next. 
I think it, it, there's um there's a balance there. There's there's a lot of things in the tech industry that aren't the coding jobs, and people just don't know they exist. And having that right kind of mindset for it, and being able to take someone who can make um that career step. I think it's a good example from Giles of going from um many other careers to being the kind of person who understands enough about tech and enough about the real world and real workplace problems to provide that translation and, and the you know the product owner and business analyst type role uh ux crow all these things that are non-obvious uh, jobs in tech everyone knows that people build websites and assume that there's um, a cave full of programmers sat somewhere and they're all special geeky programmers and i couldn't possibly be one of them but you couldn't possibly deliver anything with just a cave of geeky programmers you need all of the wrap around them which is also a career in tech so it's making people aware of what the options are and realizing that you know they don't have to learn python or anything to, to have a job in tech they can add much more value potentially than someone who just knows how to code to a tech industry um, and have that career in tech doing something slightly different. Equally, you know, it, it's looking for people who have the aptitude for programming. There's there's a mindset for it. I've, I've had developers working in teams before who want to do the job, but they just don't have the aptitude to do it. They've gone through the, the degree, brute software engineering degree, got a job as a programmer, but they hit that limit point fairly quickly where they don't really get it enough to reach the heights that they they envisaged reaching as a software engineer. And then they'll pivot their career in tech, become a tester or a business analyst or a product owner. They know enough about tech uh, and enough about programming, way more about it to be able to support the, the team of developers and, and look at the right thing. And we've equally, we've had those people who've made that um, mid-career choice to switch into tech. Some of them have gone back to university, some of them have done boot camps, and that's been enough to unleash that potential and get them into that role where they can deliver that value. Well, yeah, thank you. And Richard, go for it. Hey. Yeah, so, I mean, it's quite interesting listening to people, right? So, you know, from a personal perspective, I think the getting into tech now versus when I did it originally, right, is very different in the sense that like 25 years ago, it was a lot simpler in a way, right? Less people did it, so there was less competition, plus just the tech stacks and everything that you do are very different. And, you know, if you were to start, if I was to start now, I think it'd be quite daunting from a kind of even a university graduate or whatever. You know, I, I kind of like self-taught a lot of it, even though I kind of went to university to do it. A lot of the coding that I did is self-taught and I've learned it on the job um, and just had, you know, experience through various jobs and opportunities that I'm grateful for that I've had that have obviously kind of been something that has made it a lot easier for me to learn but to, to, to Michael's point around the aptitude for, for coding I think that is a very key point although I would say it kind of just depends on some people you know you can test for aptitude for test uh, for, for development right in coding and you can kind of look and see this person might be good at it or they might be bad at it I mean do that for example in Barclays with lots of our programs we have, we have a huge amount of programs which are maybe go into uh, later on around how people can change career or come into tech as a you know from a graduate or a higher apprentice or whatever there's lots of opportunities to get into tech in Barclays for example but I think that you know from an aptitude perspective it's just around giving people the best opportunity to do that in the shortest amount of time and also kind of making sure that you know you don't just forget about them after they've done a boot camp and, you know they kind of go oh right you should be able to code now when you actually prepare people in the real world, I think it's kind of very different from when it's kind of going from the classroom to the real world, right? When you finish school and then you get a job, it's like very different, right? And it's the same from those boot camps 
that sometimes like the, the the kind of where you're left after that is very different and someone like North Coders, not to kind of plug them on the uh, podcast but generally the the the, the state of, of of their kind of cohorts are right very very good compared to other boot camps and it's just the way that they prepare people is much better when they come into a job and they're much more productive from, from the very beginning so I do think that the way that you teach people also has a big impact with the resource that you give them in the, and how long they've had doing that particular thing so you know uh, the quality of the training and, and the programs that they go on is also a big uh, factor in how um, successful it be and, and, and like there's lots of other roles as well as has been mentioned right you don't just have to do development to get into tech although that's what everyone wants to do and um, you know there's lots of other kind of rewarding careers in tech that can be like scrum masters or POs or testers or you know program managers etc right there's a huge amount of value that people can have and um, they just t- can tend to get left behind because you know they're kind of transferable skills I guess so you can kind of do those in other jobs and transfer them as has been said into tech and not really need to do anything tech specific. I think um, Thank you. if I could just uh, add something sure. to that that's yeah, uh, yeah. Go for it. I think you've really hit on something important there where you said about the effectively the, the quality of the education or the boot camp um you know, we have a, a similar boot camp here. I'm going to plug a, a local Birmingham one uh, called School yeah. of Code. And when they were in their boot camp, um, it's a fully immersive experience. It's like a full time job. It's not something they're doing for a few hours in the evening in online webinars. You know, they're doing it as though it was a job. They have projects. They get exposed to every part of technology from, you know, um, writing front end code through to testing and project management and all of that. And through that, in the city, they've got quite a good reputation for the the engineers they churn out, and it's purely down to how well-rounded that education they're providing is. And that's vital because, as we're all talking about, um, coding, although it's the main thing people think of, it's the tiniest little fraction of technology. Um, And if people come into the industry um, just acknowledging that there's more to it, they're going to have a better chance of success if they know that if they know what a project manager is, if they know that there's going to be maybe a QA engineer who's uh, kind of testing the stuff they build, that's uh, going to make them a much more um, employable um, kind of prospect. There's a, another thing on that as well as the um, having the right support. You don't just take someone off a boot camp and put them on code. They need a mentor and you need that structure in your organisation to develop them. And I've always been keen to make sure that um, as early as possible in your career you're mentoring the next generation of programmers and you've been mentored so it's that pay it forward mentality and building that culture of when new people join the team they are who I was two years ago and I want to give them the benefit that the person before me gave me and, and pass that on and you build that conveyor belt in your organization the sooner you get people coaching more junior people it embeds their own skills and, and feeds that mentality of we're all here to give the next the next generation of, of hires a leg up in the organisation and get them uh, contributing and, and being involved. That seems to work really well. Great. Well, that actually um, puts us on to the next subtopic slash question very, very well. So it was almost like you knew what I was going to say next, which was Giles's question of mentoring. <laughs> what is the best way to mentor in the tech space, given that the industry is changing at, changing at an exponential rate? Giles, I'll let you uh, start us off on that one, please. That's no, excellent that's... segue, Michael. 
<laughs> um, I mean, what I was again with this question is, I mean, we've hit it a, a little bit now on just the fact that there's so many different areas of tech. And that was one of the bits I wanted to talk about with mentoring is, you know, when you get into tech, the view is obviously it's coding, 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 and I just want to be the best coder there is. But I mean, one of the things I helped a lot of my mentees with was understanding that by the time you get to say my age, there's going to be another you coming up through the ranks who's really eager, really fresh, doesn't have a mortgage and wife and kids or husband and kids and, and all that sort of stuff. And, and they're going to be happy to pump the hours in just like you are now, and you won't be able to do it then. And there'll be new technology coming out, which may be completely different to what you did 10 years ago. And how do you keep yourself relevant when you've got that sort of fun, you know, uh, group of people coming through the ranks? And it was very much to what we were talking about before is as you start to uh, progress through your career, what are the things you may want to actually start looking at, like project management or solution architecture or, you know, head of QA? And, and what does it mean to get into those roles? Because it's not just learning the tech side, it's also the people side, the leadership side, and, you know, even budgeting and P&Ls and, you know, there's avenues to get into that. So one of the things I've always focused on with my mentors, as I mentees, is is very much, yes, here's some of the tech and like we mentioned, the, the um, doing the courses, doing the certificates, doing the different types of projects, but also start thinking about what else there is as well when you watch these programs of work happening. Who are the other roles and what are they doing? How are they complementing it? Are they technical or are they more a, um, a person who's an observer of the tech? That helps translate between business and tech, you know, or are they purely non-tech and sales? I and mean, what does that mean? And how do you help guide through that mess? Is is one of the things I try and help them out with. Brilliant, thank you, Richard. I'll let you uh, go second, please. Cool. So yeah, you know what I think mentors generally like extremely valuable I know like when I've kind of gone through my career it's been really hard to find people that are kind of effective um, in what you want to kind of uh, get better in, right? So. I think that mentoring for me and when I mentor other people, uh, I tend to kind of look at the soft skills or kind of how to apply your knowledge, right? Rather than saying, hey, you know, mentoring people in a particular tech or how to teach them is just kind of giving them knowledge in a way that they can read in a book, right? And not necessarily um, focusing on that, but really to focus on when I found someone that's mentored me and uh, been really effective is people that really help you find things that you never really thought of or help you think in a different way and it's more around those soft skills and that kind of helping you problem solve better or where you want to go in your career and I think that you know career development is a big thing for mentoring rather than necessarily the tech side of things like like we always focus on coding right but um, even for other roles testing pms whatever it's around like how you want to take your career i mean i know for me for a long time it was kind of like how do you get out of coding to actually do more leadership stuff right it's actually the other way around where you wanted when you get older right like um giles said when you're young i remember when i was sat there coding in the university and i was just sitting code till four in the morning and just play around with stuff and now i've got a wife and two kids it's a bit more difficult unless the baby wakes me up right um so you just don't have as much time to to, to kind of dedicate for stuff like that um and so yeah mentoring for me and when I mentor other people I kind of try and think back like you said to what they were doing for younger uh, people anyway what what they what I was doing back then and then for people who are like new joiners and people that are like you know transitioning from uh, one career to the other it's more around how they can make effective use of their time and the soft skills to teach them how to teach themselves you know I always say you know you can read a book on anything um like you can read a book on driving a car doesn't mean when you sit in the car you can do it right you can't drive so very much around like teaching people how to apply the knowledge 
and giving them the good principles so that they can go and help themselves, right? Rather than just expecting them to kind of in a mentor in session, focus on, on, on the details of things. And I also think reverse mentoring is also a good thing that it's good, right? Where you can learn off them as well. And um, rather than it being a, a kind of one way thing where you teach them and they don't teach you, I think it's very interesting, especially with the younger generation, right? Um, to kind of get insight off them because it helps you be kind of a better leader anyway, right? By by understanding what their needs are, which might be different from what happened when you were younger, for example. Brilliant. Davis, what do you think? I mean, I agree completely with Richard, um, you know, soft skills all the way. Um, I think the, the overarching thing for me is to focus on the fundamentals, the stuff that's not going to go out of fashion. You know, tech comes along so fast nowadays and also goes out of fashion yeah so fast there's no point in helping people learn how to use a particular piece of tech because by the time you know you've taken them on that journey um, i mean first of all it's probably so new that you're not even the expert yet so it's uh, yeah by the time that you've got them to the point where they're feeling confident enough to use it in production it's probably a fad that's passed um but soft skills that's always going to be something people need to um focus on especially as they get more senior in their in their career you know it becomes more about being able to communicate with people um and i think back to uh you know a, an informal mentoring session i had with um you know someone who's who's always mentored me throughout my career and i was at a point where i was just so fed up with my job and the frustration i couldn't couldn't affect any change in the organization i was going to quit the next day and you know he said to me well you know, you can do that, but before you move and before you just try to find something better somewhere else, focus on trying to manage up. You know, it might be that your boss really just you can't get through to them. But have you tried, you know, try and learn that soft skill first. Try and, you know, open those lines of communication, because if you really want to move on and upwards, you're going to need those skills. Um, and, you know, that was that was just brilliant for him to just put that on my radar, you know. Um, and to be able to relate it to what I was going through at the time. And um, because then I had a practical kind of way forward of, okay, not just someone saying to me, soft skills are important, soft skills are important. I, I had a scenario to apply it to. Um, you know, that was just perhaps some of the best career advice I've uh, kind of ever received. Um, and I think as well, you know, when we're talking about the fundamentals, um, if let's say you're an engineer and you're you're mentoring a more junior engineer, you know, get them to focus on the stuff that's going to serve them well throughout the whole of their career. Um, you know, uh, stuff like, um, you know, learning not to prematurely optimize their code, um, understanding when it makes sense to split a monolith apart into a microservice, uh, you know, the kind of problems you might experience at scale and, um, you know, how to go about thinking about them and to, to not do too much too early and all of those kind of things um, that, you know, you learn through running big projects and probably failing more than succeeding. You know, you can help give them those insights and uh, then they can hopefully make some more sensible choices than maybe you made in your career. And I, I think it's about um, maybe sharing the painful lessons that, that you learned in a less painful way for them. <laughs> just on yeah. that one, David, with your uh, advice you got from Mentor, I had a similar one as well, which was <clears throat> just because you understand it, and you know, especially when it comes to data as well, if you're doing analytics, you've been diving deep into that database for the last two weeks, you know, and you know it back to front, and you know what the numbers are telling you, and then you expect that senior manager to just get it 
within the next five minutes as you blurt it out as quickly as possible because obviously you know you, you're excited about what you found and they just don't get it it's like you've got to take that time to kind of realize well, why should they find it important just because you do and how do you help communicate that to them and again what matter what pace as well because just because it's exciting and it's it's cool it might only be for you and it's trying to realize that there's other people who are not technical and don't care about it really yeah being able to explain technical things in non-technical terms um that's yeah if i could tell you know um technical people to learn just one thing in their career it would probably be that yeah so it's down for us <laughs> um michael i'll go to you yeah i mean just just to carry on from that point there was a really great thread on twitter a few weeks ago from um a former american secret service liaison who used to write the briefs for uh, president trump and he, he was writing down his guidance to, to communicate the clear things and some really great points about how you pitch uh, the importance of a thing. So, you know, when is it going to take effect? What's the effect going to be? Is there an action that can be taken? And and getting that focus on on pitching that information just right to hook into the, the senior person who's got limited attention pan. Why should I care about this? When should I care about this? Is there something I can say yes or no to to make something happen to fix it? Uh, and that that key key message and and that ability to put things out simply because you can have the two sides of what Charles was saying. You can have the person who gets overexcited and blurts out insane detail that no one can follow and there's someone also the version of it well everybody obviously gets this now i spent two weeks digging into it before i've understood it here's a really simple version getting that pitch right on the right level of detail and the right level of understanding is challenging i think and and helping junior people do that is a, is a key life skill I think the other thing to, to, to take into account as well uh, on a more tech focused things is those things that developers never think about baking in that culture of thinking about those things because they'll apply across any tech stack. Have you got non-functional requirements? You know, have they taken those into consideration? Does the exciting new tech they want you to implement allow them to meet those non-functional requirements? And if so, how? And the other side of that as well is generally people want to pick up a new tech because it solves one of their pain points and they'll then be blind to the pain points their current tech solves that the new tech doesn't and you you know if you go ahead and swap out and start using the new tech it's like great i no longer i can do front-end development super fast now but my deployment is an absolute nightmare all of a sudden um those kind of things and the other thing to be aware of i think is, is picking up on non-work things that you can need to be aware of and support with you know more awareness of how people are affected in their day-to-day -day job by non-job related things and how what challenges people are facing and um you know how things are going personally with them and how that's impacting on their ability to perform and being able to have those conversations about people's mental health about um, the stresses and pressures they've got outside of work uh, and being able to provide, um, I hesitate to use the phrase, but a bit of grown up support because um, I would quite like to get to the point where I feel like I have my own ability to be a grown up uh, before I do that. But, uh, you know, being able to support with those kind of things and help people navigate those kind of challenges so they can unlock their full potential at work is, is a key thing these days. Brilliant. I've actually done a course recently called The Seven Habits of a Highly Effective Person. And that basically covers about people's emotional bank account and, and basically understanding that individual and what it is that they what, that they see as a deposit into their emotional bank account. So it helps you understand 
how that person would deal with things so that you can mentor them in the best way. It's really good. I don't know if anyone's actually read it or listened to our audio book. It's brilliant. I think you should all go and uh, download it now. <laughs> this is not sponsored. <laughs> um, so, Michael, your question is next. Um, so it's what should people focus on with tech um, with tech, their career development? So, sorry, what, what should people focus on within tech and their career development? I think, um, yeah, that sort of uh, Giles foreshadowed that very well. I think one of the <laughs> things that, that, that you get with people at the start of their career is, a, is an obsession with focusing on the current latest tech. And, uh, you know, it has to be um, React or .NET or whatever it is. And, and a focus on that, it takes a long time for people to realise that in a few years time in their career, they will be now wanting to learn the next new tech and people will over focus on um, being a guru in the flavour of the month. Um, but often that can devolve into a, a recipe style approach to it. They know how to solve certain problems, but they don't actually understand the tech. So I'd always encourage people to actually understand how it works how the solution works, what the underlying problem is and how that fits into things and take a much wider view of, of, of what it is they're doing. If you, if you are doing development and you don't understand what's going on in the browser rendering model for a web app, you're just using the React framework to drop some stuff on, but you don't understand how those pieces fit together, how the React framework is delivering that browser experience, for example, then when technology shifts, you won't be able to shift with it because you don't understand what problem the framework was solving. And as I was saying earlier, if, you, you know, if you're wanting to pick the new text to take away a pain point, don't understand what your framework's doing for you what your tech's doing for you you won't understand where your trade-off is with the new framework and could end up in a worse place and i'll expand that beyond the tech to making sure you understand where that fits in where what you are delivering fits into the business what value is it it's adding to the business what is the business doing what what's your solution enabling for people i see too many devs um, who have to go out to management to get the answers to questions they should understand because they should understand the business more than they do they're just wanting to have um, a clearly specified use case from a business analyst that they don't actually have to understand the meaning of anything they can just turn it into code that will only get you so far you'll get a lot of tickets delivered but you will also um, you know get a lot of bugs because you don't understand well obviously it should have been blue everything is always blue or um, you, you don't understand the legislation that's impacted by what you're doing and, and so on so it's having that that broader view of where your work fits in what it's doing what it's achieving how the business uses it um, and having a broader view of what your tech is how, what how it works behind the scenes how that fits in how your um, path to live works understanding your devops pipeline so you know um, how that works so if you are proposing a change to architecture or a change to tech to scratch an itch or fix a problem you you've got that thought out view of where it fits in um, and that basis gives you the ability to move really rapidly within the, the tech industry, to change to a new tech when it comes along, to change to a new industry, to demonstrate the value that you can add and to engage with more people in the business and be seen. And if you're seen, uh, then it's easier to move on in your career and progress. If you're not seen, you're just someone who's sitting there in that cave churning out code. They've ticked off a load of tickets, but they don't have any impact. Um, your career won't go anywhere. Yeah, great. Like Thank like you. Like Phoenix Project, you're a Brent. Yes. 
And you might as well go from there. Give us your point of view on that, please, Giles. Um, no, I, I mean, I totally agree. I think the key bit here is the focus part of that question is, is sometimes actually you need to not be so focused on the actual bit of tech. I mean, one of the big things I've seen in challenges when I've done digital transformations for banks and not profits and government and manufacturing is, is always been they look at each tech aspect in complete isolation, you know, to, you know, that whole what's the best off the shelf, right? This tech does these things, so we'll buy that one, then we'll buy another one, another one, another one. And then it's up to the IT person just to make it all work. And naturally it doesn't because you've brought, you know, three or four different systems that do not communicate well with each other. And it's sort of from a tech perspective, is it's very powerful if you can take that step back, understand what that technology is is doing, but also what does it mean to the rest of your ecosystem? And how do you help then articulate that that when you're saying Oh, you know, yes, this tech does do all the things we want, but it then means we have to have three different sets of login details. So when you want to use this, you now have to log in three different times with three different passwords and three different user IDs. It's going to be a huge problem internally. Whereas if we use the other tech, which is part of the software, suddenly we don't have that issue, but it means that we now don't have certain aspects of whatever you know, the other tech means, but it means you don't have this integration hellhole of just tickets being raised because people have forgotten passwords and been locked out of accounts because they've done the wrong one. You know, something as simple as that. And I mean, I've seen that failure happen numerous times where, you know, the business owner of, of a of a group has just gone, the salespeople sold me on it, I'm sold, that's what we're doing, and they've already paid the bill before even talking to an IT person on what does this actually mean to deploy this and, and will it actually work? Um, you know, it's that sort of non-functional requirements piece sort of coming into it from an IT speak of how are we going to make this work or can it work? So yeah, sort of help them see you've got to focus on the bigger picture, not just the one bit of tech. You know, get very good at it, but also get, you know, broaden your views on, on the wider business. Brilliant. Thank you. Richard, I'll let you uh, follow on from that, please. Sure. I mean, this kind of just highlights the point of uh, why it's important to have, like, good POs and to talk to people properly right in, in a business before you actually make decisions on what to buy because um, otherwise you get lots of problems, right? So that kind of highlights good career development right outside of uh, just the coding realm as well. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, look, look for, from from the tech development, career development perspective, I think that, you know, it's spot on with the uh, stuff that Michael was saying, right, even from like front end development, back end development, right, it's more important to learn the fundamentals around stuff, um, you know, rather than the frameworks or libraries that you get because they're kind of like timeless in a sense, right, I think we touched on it before as well. You don't need to worry about that so much and as i said like from when i started off like a lot of this stuff just didn't exist all of the kind of deployment stuff that you can do now um all of the frameworks etc right none of that existed but you know if you have a core understanding of lots of the fundamentals like whether that be from a language perspective or whether that be for you know how a, how a browser works um, how it renders stuff whatever how a database works how different databases you know work and which 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 is the best one to pick in this particular situation. It comes back to the point made before around, you know, you can learn lots of things, but it's about how you apply those things together. And if you really understand how things work from a fundamental perspective, you can make better decisions. And even from, you know, going on a slightly different topic, well, you know, not, not necessarily coding, but stuff like Scrum and, and, and Agile, you know, lots of people make mistakes in, in, in Scrum and the way they implement stuff because they don't really understand like what Agile is about, for example, right? They don't understand the fundamentals of what it's trying to solve and they just kind of stick meetings in or whatever I think they're doing Scrum and they're not really right because, you know, they're just applying something to a, a solution that they think they understand, but they're not really helping things. They're just kind of, you know, doing it, copying what somebody's 
you know, kind of put forward and they have a limited understanding of it. And that kind of causes problems when that happens as well. Right. Yeah, I remember trying, trying to take Prince 2 and put it onto Agile and it just doesn't yeah. work. Yeah, 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 exactly. So it's it, it, it kind of all those things come down to, you know, any any kind of career and set, whether that be from a, a understanding from a PM perspective or a scrum perspective or a coding perspective, it doesn't really matter. It's just really important to understand the core fundamentals of what you're trying to do because it kind of helps you apply your knowledge better and you make less mistakes and you come up with more effective solutions. I think if you don't do that and you just kind of jump on that, I'm just going to do X or Y from a coding perspective, you know, that goes out of date. You know, the so, like for, for front-end development, there's so many UI frameworks. I think there's a new one every week, right? Um, and, uh, you know, picking those things is very, a lot of people just do it because it's the, you know, whatever they've read on on a blog, right? But they're not looking at the fundamental decision making behind whether it's a good decision to actually pick that. And it might be gone in six months' time, and then you've written something that nobody else has support for, and then you kind of, yeah, you're in a bit of a bad situation, right? So, I think, um, yeah, it's just kind of looking at how you apply things from a fundamental level and really trying to understand them um, past the point of just you know implementing whatever framework it is. And I think that is a really kind of valuable skill. Um, and helps you widen your scope in, in a career as well. Um, because, you know, ultimately coding and tech is all about problem solving for a solution right from a product perspective. And tech is just there to help deliver that business value. And if you can kind of understand the, the you know, how to deliver that value most effectively, then you're obviously going to be kind of highly sought after as a developer or whatever you are in tech. Yeah. Brilliant. Thank you very much. And David, go for it. Last but not least. Um, I'm going to repeat a lot of what's already been said uh, I won't go into the details because um, you know everyone else has already gone into that but uh, yeah I mean the main thing learn a language instead of a framework um, you know that the frameworks and the libraries they do come and go so quickly and you know being practical there's a risk that if you jump on the shiny new thing and you build out a big application in it that you then need to support for you know, three years um, is the business going to even be able to find any engineers that have knowledge of that? You know, that might be difficult to hire for. Now, if you've learned the language instead of the framework, then you can be one of those engineers. You can go into those potentially high paying jobs where no one knows how to maintain this monstrosity that's been built because you understand the underlying code. Um, same kind of thing, you know, if you're working in the kind of um, the, the ops or the DevOps space, um, great understanding Docker files, but make sure you understand Linux as well, you know. Um, and I think with tech in general, uh, focus on making sure that the tech that you're building and the tech you're thinking about building is stuff that can scale. It's stuff that's reliable and well supported, you know. Um, don't rush off and build an application with a database that was released, you know, three months ago. Um, there's plenty of options out there that are tried and tested over decades and you know that they're going to be supported, that they, you know exactly what they do at scale, you know, make boring, sensible choices, because uh, that's a hugely valuable thing in um, in an engineer, you know, if you, uh, you can get someone that you know is going to make choices that aren't going to trip you up six months or a year down the line. Um, I think as well it's important, and I think Michael maybe alluded to this, um, it's important to understand what your company does. You know, you're. I think I might have said this on the last podcast you had me on, Ruth. It's uh, you're not just operating in the tech industry. You're operating in some other industry. You're operating in retail, finance, or marketing. You know, understand what the industry is. Understand what the company actually does. You're not just. Uh, you know, you're not just a coder that's turning tickets into code. Um, you've got to understand the bigger picture. 
And when you do that, you can make sure that, um, you, you know, you can take a more responsibility and you can make sure you, you catch things that maybe haven't been um, formulated as well as they should be in the tickets. And it generally just it's going to help you become more more senior, more trusted. Um, but I'm going to throw one more thing in there. I'm going to go back to um, soft skills. I know we're focusing on tech here, but like soft skills, hugely, hugely important. When you're thinking about the kind of tech that you want to build, um, you're not doing it in a silo. You've got to convince other people. Maybe you've got to get budgets signed off for licenses or things like that. You've got to be able to have those conversations um, with the, the third party vendors themselves. Maybe you've got to make a case to finance or to the board. You know, you've got to be able to communicate, to communicate well about your technical needs. Because if you can't, you're going to be blocked and you'll maybe end up using some tech stack that's not fit for purpose because you couldn't articulate why you needed something else that was going to help you get the job done. Brilliant. Thank you. If, any, if anyone got anything to add on that, if not, I'll go on to Richard's question now. Okie doke. So if you had a chance to go back in your career, is there any decision you would change that you think would benefit or accelerate your career growth or simply one that would make it more fun and more challenging? Richard, I'll let you uh, go with that. Sure. Yeah. So it kind of like, I, I suppose a little bit kind of um, ties into um, Charles's bonus question that I think may be a little bit, but, um, you know, the reason they asked the question, right, is because obviously for people's careers, um, there's various things that they might look back and say, you know, what what were those things that they think maybe they didn't do most effectively or they should have maybe taken a different decision at the time, right? So for me, I think that it goes back to the longevity and some of the roles that I've maybe spent in, right? That that maybe, um, you know, became a little bit too comfortable in, in the roles that I was in and uh, maybe should have left sooner just because kind of, you know, you get the the, the carrot dangled a little bit, right? To, to kind of keep you there. And um, maybe it's, it's around kind of, getting yourself out of your comfort zone um, and going and looking for a different job or trying to find a different way to, to, to challenge yourself in your, in your current like kind of um, career or where you're working at the time. So I think, you know, uh, some of the places that I've worked, like I said, I've, I've stayed too long and I feel like if I'd kind of moved sooner, it kind of maybe would have given me other opportunities or I think I would have uh, learned a lot more quicker, if that makes sense, right? Although you never know that for sure, right? Because you can't go back and do a parallel universe and, and change. <laughs> Um, how you know how 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 you know it would end up right? It might might end up worse, worse for all I know, right? But um, I think that um, you know longevity in the role is, is kind of a big one for me. That I think that you know you, you should always challenge yourself. And if you walk into work and you kind of just like you know BAU really comfortable and you can do it with your eyes closed, I think for me that's kind of a a reason for you to maybe to move on, right? And and kind of always challenge yourself and make you feel uncomfortable because that's where you kind of learn the most and you, you kind of develop and progress the most as well. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, brilliant, thank you. Would you say that it was the individuals, um, that it should be yourself that makes that change or the company seeing that you aren't challenged enough and therefore then to implement changes? Yeah, I think I think that's, uh, yeah, that's a good, good point, actually. I think it, it depends, right? So I think it's probably a bit of both. I think ultimately it lies down with the individual because it's only you that really knows deep down whether that's something that challenges you or not, right? And mm -hmm. the the company can only go off what you tell them, right? Or they might have in some insight from experience that they might kind of see something that you don't. And that's obviously also a valid point. And I think that smaller companies find it more difficult to offer career opportunities to individuals because, you know, 
there's just less opportunities there just because it's smaller yeah and there might be like a few people who are at a very similar level and you know there might only be one opportunity to get promoted right and and so the other people you know might not end up kind of staying because of that right whereas in bigger companies there's like far more opportunities to progress um and a lot more uh, you know vacancies for, for 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 progressing i know for myself like when i wanted to get out of coding as i said and go more into leadership it was very difficult in the smaller companies that i was in just purely because the opportunities weren't there for me to practice and, and show that i could do that right whereas in somewhere like barclays it's much easier because you can kind of you know be as involved as you want and you can be very proactive and go and look at other areas and prove yourself whereas you just don't get those opportunities in smaller companies at least in my experience anyway so yeah cool okay michael what do you think or what would you uh if you go back what decisions would you change if any I, I, generally my answer to that question is nothing because um yeah. if you change anything you wouldn't be necessarily where you are and i've not always necessarily been happy where i am but it's been a journey and, and i've done it so over analyzing and overthinking it is something i try and avoid doing i think a couple of lessons that i'd have liked to earn learned a bit earlier maybe were i'm very much a developer engineer mindset so i immediately go into problem solving mode anytime there's a problem and uh it took me a while to learn uh, early in my leadership career that giving the solution wasn't the right thing to do even if I know the solution I should ask the questions to lead to the solution and um, early in that in the sort of management side of things it's that when there is a an, an opportunity my instinct was to go right okay well these are the problems um, and that often came across as we shouldn't do it because of these reasons when actually it was yeah, we should do that, but we're, and I immediately went to problem solving mode, right, well, we need to work out this, that and the other before we can do it. Uh, and I, I think that caused me a bit of um, delay in progression because I was seen as being blocking uh, when I felt like I was trying to deliver uh, and being clear on, on, on where that sits with things. So, yeah, don't just solve the problems or list the problems that you're trying to solve, uh, depending on the context, coach to the, uh, the solution and go yes definitely we should do that we'll have to look at some stuff to sort out along the way um <laughs> be more positive and not just jump into that problem solving mode all the time yeah okay giles do you want to follow up from that that one made me laugh michael's so obviously exactly the same there's always jumped to problem yeah uh, the solution and how do you fix it and it was always seen as oh you're being negative you <laughs> know yeah, the, the best tip I got on that was um, a a, fr a good friend of mine said, you realise when your wife's telling you about her problems, she just wants you to listen, not solve them. And uh, it's like, ah, yeah. Exactly. Um, I mean, similar to yourself, Michael, as well, I mean, I wouldn't have gotten where I've gotten to now if, if I didn't obviously follow the path I've sort of had, and I'm kind of happy with where I've gotten to. But so it's one of the things I would very much like to, uh, you know, if I could give myself that advice, is, is one is, is start reading a lot earlier than what I did because there are so many fantastic books out there from leaders and, and entrepreneurs and etc who've you know condensed their 40 years of experience into a you know 200 page book to try and help you learn all the stuff that they've learned and you now i sort of put that to the side until i probably got a bit older and you know, didn't really realize just how beneficial that was to fact actually just learn from these other people's experience um, and then the other one as well would probably be just getting coaching um not just mentoring but actually getting an active coach who helps you understand what's going on um, and how to work and pivot your way through, you know, the politics of big corps, you know, like Barclays, you know, similar to Microsoft, it's just politics everywhere and power plays and, you know, and you've got to learn how to manage that. And as, an, as, as a tech person, especially if you're much more logical, 
it, it can be quite hard to navigate that when you're younger and what it all means. So, you know, getting that coaching to just understand how those plays are working, what the comms mean, and, and, and then obviously how to navigate through that so you're not sort of caught up in it. Brilliant. David, do you want to follow up from that? Yeah, I, I think I agree with Giles. Um, I would have got a mentor a lot sooner. Um, I mean, I have some some mentors now and they're all kind of informal. So maybe I would have tried to go a more formal route. Uh, but the mentors I have, they give me great advice. And it wasn't until I was, uh, you know, kind of in a, a senior role where I really started looking to other people to to learn things. And if I had have got that early in my career, um, I mean, uh, who knows where I could have been now. Um, but, you know, also, I'd like to have got into tech earlier. Um, I've been in it for most of my career. So, um, you know, it's not like the case I only got into in my 30s or anything. But, um, you know, I, I fell into tech by accident. I was working in a clerical job and I just started automating parts of my job because I hated it. And that's how I realized that, you know, I could make a living doing that. It was a complete accident. And thinking back to, you know, when I was in school, I, there wasn't a career advisor who told me that uh, tech was a, a an industry, you know, not even that it existed, you know, it just wasn't wasn't kind of there at all. And so maybe speaking to different people earlier on, um, I mean, I'm thinking now I had when I was a small child, my next door neighbor was a very highly paid tech consultant. Um, Maybe I should have spoken to him when I was you know, in my teens and starting to think about what I wanted to do for a career. And as a hobby, was writing software, you know, on the side. Maybe I should have reconciled those two. Um, and then, yeah, it would have given me a little bit of a head start. But I, I got there eventually. So, I, you know, I, I think as was, uh, you know, said uh, said before as well, I don't really regret too much. I'm happy where I've got. It's been a it's been an interesting journey. Um but yeah, maybe could have added a couple of years at the beginning of it. Yeah. Do you think that what obviously doing you think back to school and stuff and you and you do IT in school and it's very much just do an Excel spreadsheet or figure out how to how to divide or subtract. Yeah. <laughs> but that's what they tell you, so it's not really they don't really that's delve deep into what my IT teacher taught us was Excel spreadsheets. Excel spreadsheets. Yeah. And, and how to like do a sums up and subtract in a, a column presentation with yeah. sliding in slides yeah because that's what we do in business yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> i mean i i've been into some schools recent well not recently prior to covid you know i was doing some sessions where i'd go in and talk to a class and you you talk to the uh, the it teacher and um you know I, I think i remember one time it turned out they weren't the it teacher they were the pe teacher like the school didn't even have a proper teacher for the subject and some schools got it you know it, it is a mixed bag but a lot of them still just don't treat it as a first class subject so mm -hmm. you know I, I don't know how you can expect students to even consider it as a serious career opportunity if yes. they if they're it's not being told it university, though. i mean i've i've recently been helping my old university on on how do we do sort of more senior alums come and, and help support on that aspect because even in university sort of the lecturers are often found I mean I did business law at university but you get these the uh, the lecturers who they've just had a whole academic career you know they've never worked in tech or in 
consulting, but are telling you this is how it's done because this is what the book says. And you're kind of going, yeah, the theory is sound, but then when you deal with people, you know, people are not theories. You know, they, they, they have emotions and it changes and it's different. And we're trying to help them understand of how do you help communicate that to schools and to the students that there's the theory and then there's the reality. And you've got to try and find that balance in between. Yeah, there's yeah. Um, a few states in America that are teaching the, the kids to code, apparently so anyway. But that, there's a there's a big uproar on it because they're saying don't teach kids how to code because everyone will get hacked. I've literally so heard like... that from a teacher. I <laughs> yeah. Was, uh, yeah, I was sat down um, at a, it was a social thing and um, there, there were a couple there and one of them was a teacher. And uh, they were literally saying, uh, I think some big hacking event had happened recently. Um, <laughs> no, no, like, there was something big in the news, like, I don't know, um, you know, a big business had been hacked and it cost a lot of money and caused all sorts of problems. And they said, matter of factly, this is what happens when you teach children how to code. And I was sat there just thinking, oh, no. That's that's not the attitude we need. Yeah, but it, it, it's one. It is. It's literally. I think it does go down to schools to educate people more. Is that it's not doing PowerPoint. It's not doing Excel spreadsheets. There's more to it than just doing that. Because who would choose that? It, it that, that that's not. That's it's, it's it's admin, isn't it? Signposting what those careers are. You know, they they see the well. I could work in data entry and spreadsheets, or I could work as you know that that weirdo in the cave writing code. They don't mm-hmm. understand what other career paths are there that it, that support all those kind of things and, and the need for that and you know data science isn't something that schools know about and uh, the, I mean the other side of that as well with the you know they teach either teach you to code or teach you to use an excel spreadsheet they don't teach you things like the importance of a pull request or you know what the principles of scrum are and inspect and adapt and and, and all those things that go around it I've spent some time recently talking to uh, the education director of uh, the Developer Academy in Sheffield, another one of these uh, good providers of um, bootcamp output. Uh, and, you know, wh- when they set up, they didn't appreciate that actually, you know, there's no point just delivering someone who's done a bit of development. They need to understand how to be part of a team and the development processes that go around that, the scrum, the git pull requests, all these things that that round it off. So it's making people aware what matters in that education because the tech changes all the time and teaching some kids a bit of scratch and a bit of python um in a 20 or 30 year old programming style isn't helping anyone it's really ironic though when you think back to what you were learning at school i learned excel i learned how to do the powerpoint presentations now as a head of engineering or a cto that's actually a big part of my job so there is a kind of perverse irony in that um but you have to get to that point before those skills yeah. kind of become relevant yeah, so that 90% of my job is powerpoint so I'm you that, well there you go your it teachers as well <laughs> Uh, Richard, did you want to add anything on us or you took yourself off mute? No, no, it's fine, yeah. No, I mean, I, yeah. I agree with all the points made, right? And I, and I think it is quite funny that, you know, you kind of spend all your time kind of learning all these kind of, you know, coding and whatever throughout your career. And yeah, a lot of my time is spent with Excel and PowerPoint as well, where I try and um, convince um, colleagues to so avoid funny. it as much as possible. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, do it different ways or whatever. But yeah, um, it's a losing battle. But uh, yeah, no, I agree with everyone's points. And I, and I think, you know, education from a... A very young age is obviously very important to kind of help um, get more people into tech, especially, you know, coding and females as well. Right. Because I think that that's a, that's a huge thing where, you know, diversity is a big thing from a Stigma. career development perspective. And, and I do think that, you know, when you get people who who kind of, you know, go into schools and even universities. Right. 
I think the yeah the, the the level of coding at those very early years is like almost non-existent, right? Um, so I think you know parents have to be you know if they want to kind of teach their children coding, which I think you know I know plenty of people that do, and there's there's plenty of people that I know that do courses for kids as well or at schools, you know, out of hours. I think that's like a kind of very useful thing to do because it kind of gives them a, and opens it up to a different career path that you know. You might only find out later on and obviously there's lots of transition courses that you can do now if you find it later in life but i do think that a lot of that needs to be done far earlier than it is now so that it creates equal opportunities for people um in in you know in coming into the future yeah yeah definitely i feel like we've probably covered what the, the next question that i was going to speak about which is longevity and in and how it is what should change because um, I went a bit off piece there and brought in <laughs> Excel spreadsheets. Um, but what I'd like to do as well, so when I, when I sent out to you, everybody all the questions and stuff, I did say about career advice and maybe some type of advice or just a nice short sentence of what it is that you would maybe advise somebody who is starting their journey into tech. Um, so I'm just going to work around the room and just basically what career advice would you give the younger generation starting in within tech? So, Michael, I'll go with you first. Yep. Um, I advise people to, I find people will fixate on what they don't know and trying to improve their skills and won't reflect back on how much they've progressed and how much they've learned. So I think it's important that people turn around and look behind them and see where they've come and what they've achieved and pay that learning forward and and help coach other people and bring that forward. You also find that if you are coaching other people, it only strengthens your own skills and knowledge. You have to re-understand it so that you can explain it and, and develop it in someone else. So yeah, don't just focus on constantly improving your own learning. Look back at what you've learned and help others learn it. It'll do you no end of good. Brilliant, thank you. Giles, what career advice would you give to someone starting off in tech? Um, a little bit similar to Michael's is, is the one I've often heard with, especially, and I'm talking more from you know younger people coming into the industry, is they just want to learn everything and be a specialist in it all. You're never going to learn it all and you're never going to be a specialist. And in all honesty, do you really want to be a specialist in SQL? Because it's been around for so long and there's so many other languages and other different things you can do. I think the thing is, is learn that language, learn that technique, but really keep your eyes open to everything else that's going on within that industry. Don't just try and put your head down and just specialize, 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 because it, in all honesty, you're not going to do yourself any favors because it just changes too quick. Brilliant. Thank you, David. What would your advice be? Um, if if I'm giving advice to a software engineer, it would definitely be um, at least once in your career stick around for a bit longer than feels comfortable um, because then you'll get to see how spectacularly the software you've built has failed and you'll have to put out the fires and you'll see what happens at scale and all the little things you didn't think of all the things you thought would never happen um, i honestly believe there's uh, no better way to learn than through kind of pain you know and failing <laughs> um you know obviously you don't want to spend your entire career failing but if you can stick around long enough once just to go through that process and really see the the software development life cycle from start to finish and uh you know if you can see a project through to obsolescence uh that's a great experience to have even if it's just once in your career hey, thank you and richard what advice would you give to someone starting off with tech? yeah so again very much kind of software engineer focused but i think that you know when i found people starting out in tech what they tend to do is they tend to kind of look at everything in isolation so they kind of learn one bit and then another bit and you know they don't really learn how to put it together 
So I think what's really valuable for people to do is kind of come up with their own pet project or whatever it might be and kind of put everything that they've learned together. And that really helps you to kind of bring it all together, like has already been said, right, and, and problem solve. And then you'll you'll find and bang your head against the wall a lot and kind of come up with lots of problems that you wouldn't have even have thought of or envisaged. And it helps you really kind of, you know, understand things at another level. And then when you do go into a career, it kind of makes it far easier for you to kind of, you know, apply that in a workplace because you've kind of done it and I think that end-to-end kind of project also helps you understand what it is you enjoy about software engineering and there's also like a big thing where people might just go oh just learn this or, or x or y but I think it's very important to try lots of things out at the beginning as well so you really kind of like understand what you enjoy and then focus in on that rather than just saying I'm going to go and do you know front-end development and that's all I'm ever going to touch I think it's really important to try everything out at the very beginning and then kind of tailor what it is that you really like and then focus on that um, later down the line. Brilliant. Thank you all very much. I'll wrap it up there. If anyone else has, everyone's finished and or if you want to add anything, please do let me know. If not, I'll wrap it up. Um, so I just want to take the time to thank you all um, for coming onto this podcast and sharing all your insights into the topic of career development within tech. This has been the Evolution Exchange podcast and thank you all for listening. Thank you.